the, the this morning's message is going to come from the book of Isaiah, the 40th chapter, the 10th through the 11th verse. Uh, it reads, Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. The focus on 11th verse, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead them, lead those that are with young. We see here before we go into the next few verses, the tenderness of the shepherd, the, the care with which our God takes care of us. He's going to be responsible directly for the feeding of the flock. When he says the flock, that's a group of sheep, not one insulated, uh, isolated sheep off, and it's not to the ones that not in churches and away because he does says flock and there's a lot of people independent that they don't need the church or they don't need the group they have a different interpretation of the scriptures but he's saying those that are assembled together that's what a flock would be more than one and so as they gather together it could be more than less likely it's a small flock because he did say to the small flock uh, in another portion of scripture and um, that shepherd the care of that shepherd he says the strength of the Lord could do this by the strong hand of the Lord we know the shepherd has to be strong the shepherd has to be thoughtful and, and if you look at that 23rd psalm where it says he prepared a table in the midst of his enemies and Going out, you know, doing the preparations of a plateau or valley or whatever for the sheep to eat, all of those wolves or whatever enemies or predators that are about, they see that shepherd clearing that area, that pasture where the sheep will be kept. So right there in the presence of his enemy, the enemy sees the preparation being done. And so we should realize that the people that's going to prey upon us, the false prophets, those within our families, those that's among us, because it says that that would rise up from among them, people not sparing the flock, that would take advantage of the flock. Paul was saying after his leaving, it would be men among themselves that would rise up, not sparing the flock, and taking advantage of them. The analogy he uses of a sheep, when he used the symbolism, a metaphor of a sheep, we have to learn the characteristics of a sheep or whatever. And I was asking Sister Harris, had she seen that documentary that President Obama has on Netflix now about the great parks, the great natural parks of the earth or whatever, it's a two or three part series of the, it's, you, you see the animals and life as it should be and in the untouched areas where mankind is not or whatever in some of the ways they live and you'll see the characteristics of certain animals and if we are being called sheep all the time I think it would help us a greatly benefit of us if we learn some of the characteristics of sheep some of what a sheep's nature is as to why the Lord always referred to us as sheep, calling us the sheep of his pastor, because, you know, sheep is one of the reasons is sheep is one of the most, it is the most defenseless animal that that's alive. In other words, a sheep can't protect itself. A sheep needs a shepherd to protect it. The wolves or the animals would ravage a sheep or kill a sheep because sheep don't fight back. I was telling my wife that there was a story that we was watching on television where this sheep, this flock of sheep, sheep attacked this wolf and killed this wolf or whatever. But I said, that's the world trying to put in our mind, our ideology, something that doesn't exist. And that's what 
I said that's why television is dangerous unless you're watching it with somebody that can do like I was telling you my mother did, the fish that a mother does for her child, be able to take the bones out of it, to be able to take out that which is detrimental that can kill that person, or harm them, cause harm. And that's what the shepherd does. He defends the sheep, and that's why he's able to, the sheep says it can lie down and steal pastures. That's why it says it shall feel no evil. The Lord is his shepherd, and that though he walk through the valley of, of death, he shall fear no evil, because his shepherd, That if you look at Psalm 23, and most preachers preaching on it, it's a sheep that's there. If you look at that psalm, and it's a sheep that's boasting of the care and the protection of its shepherd. It's exonerating the shepherd that takes care of it. It's saying that that shepherd could provide for it. A sheep don't drink out of running water. Sheep that they can't get up for themselves. If they'll fall, you've heard of a sheep being cast or whatever. When a sheep falls, it becomes cast. It has to have the shepherd to come and pick it back up. It'll lay there in a little pole, a little thing of water or something if it's stumbling in it and drown or starve the death upon its back or whatever. And that's how we are. We are defenseless without the Lord. Unless the Lord be our helper, there's nothing we can do. They're prone or vulnerable to insects, all of the insects and things that are out there. You know, with a cow or something, with a long tail or something that can swoosh its tail or, or whatever, but a sheep has to be cared for by a shepherd. There's a reason he used that analogy. Sheep can't clean themselves. They can't cleanse themselves. Yes. And the analogy, if we look at that, the word of God cleanses us. We are washed and cleansed by his word. He's the one that cleanses us. So a burnt offering, if we would look in the Old Testament what a burnt offering was, a burnt offering was something that was dedicated to God that was completely consumed by the fire. That's why I call it a burnt offering. It was offered up in the fire. Uh, Leviticus 1, first chapter, second through the third verse says, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. So that's why they used the lambs in the offering or whatever, but we see in this offering that the lamb that was offered, what well, Jesus was the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. But we have to imitate Christ. As he laid down his life for his sheep, we lay down our life with baptism symbolizing that, that we'll bury it with Christ Jesus. We die to self. We sacrifice our life. We repent from who we are. We turn away from ourselves and give our lives to God. We present our bodies. I think that's what Paul says if you look at the book of Romans. If you join the book of Romans, the 12th chapter, he uses the terminology, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, we were talking about the sacrifice if you bring a sacrifice, so if we're presenting our body as a sacrifice, now our body is no longer our, ours, we have to die to self. The symbol, symbolism of that baptism, we're buried with Christ. We died with Christ. No, we no longer live to self. It's no longer our life that we live. We're presenting our life unto him. We are sitting in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. It is Christ that liveth in us. Thus, Christ does the work in us. That's why we have to be born again. That's of the necessity. You must be born again. The Spirit comes into you, and we die to self. So it's something that we do. 
we have to practice or we have to become as Christ. And that's why I say life is a struggle. It's no easy button in life. And the closer you get to God, the more suffering it, it imbibes. you drinking of the cup. You, you will, he says, you will drink of the cup. In other words, you will willingly do this. Did it say that in that verse? It says voluntarily present itself. Just like did nobody take his life, he laid down his life. So this is something we must of necessity do. If we're to become the sheep of his pastors, if we're to become his disciple, to continue in his word. I was telling someone yesterday the reason that him and the guy was mad at me or whatever, uh, we have to suffer. Now, the world we had we had a different ideology like i say we watch television and live and conform in this world as david said you were shaping an iniquity so the world has a way of making you think and your thoughts and ways are so that's why god says you, your, your thoughts are not like my thoughts and your ways are not like my ways and lean not to your own understanding so if we're going to follow Christ and take up our cross to follow after him, we must deny ourselves. Now, that means deny your way of life. You, you're against this way of life I'm living, you say? I say, I love you. I, I actually love you as an individual, and that's what the thing we have to have, a love of our brethren. But the problem is the life you living, what you're doing, yes, that is wrong. Now, I must give you God's word on this. I must feed you God's word. That, he says, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Yes. So when they asked Peter, what must, must we do to be saved before you can become his sheep? He says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes. So a turning away from who you are. Now, it may cause suffering in your life. You know, an alcoholic going through withdrawal to give up alcohol or whatever, his body goes into convulsions. A drug addict that's trying to beat it cold turkey or whatever, it goes into convulsions and everything. And that's a hard thing to do something, cold turkey. That, but that's why I say we need the spirit. We need to look unto God and present our bodies unto God and ask him to help us in this. We need help in this endeavor. We can't do it by ourselves. That's why the assembly, that's why the local assembly, he had given gifts unto man. That, that's within the church. Yes. Pastors and teachers. So he must instruct us. You remember I said, as that shepherd go about, he has to take out everything that's dangerous or harmful to the shepherd, to the sheep, so that the sheep wouldn't eat that that's poisonous. They, that's one thing about sheep that other animals are not like. You know, a dog's not eat something that's poisonous. A dog, uh, most animals or whatever, that's how the humans, a lot of people learn from watching what the animal's eating, and they didn't eat those things because they know what's But a sheep, not able to make that distinction. A sheep will eat just anything. I guess that's why... In the scriptures when he says, try the spirits to see whether they be of God. Yes. A sheep is prone to wonder. Even though he has food or whatever, a sheep still prone to try to get out the fence. It, that's where the old saying comes, the grass is always green on the other side. Not realizing that grass over there is just as brown as it is on your side. Yeah. But a sheep is prone to wonder. That's why he says, We've all gone astray like sheep without a shepherd. The shepherd has to fight and struggle to keep the sheep contained. A sheep is prone to wonder. Most people love a crowd. They love what's going on in the world. They love that excitement. It gets them uh, stimulated. And that's why I say you, you like a sheep. You don't have good sense. You know, sheep are some of the ones... Now, in a way, we can say this, so don't just go off on a tangent on this. Sheep are dumb animals. That's why he's saying this. But in a way, I can go back further. I may be teaching you of why a sheep is a, a learning animal in some facets or not. That's why you have to 
go to church and it's good to stay in your local churches. And as Paul and Peter address the local elders, those are leaders of a church. And if you're not in that church consistently, you may be missing the teachings of Bible study. And that's why I say it's, it's prominent. Bible study has to be prominent that we study the Word of God. You have to have all the preaching because one week he might preach this and preach that and it sounds paradoxical, but it's not. It's not contradictory. It, it's in a way, it's just you have to eat the whole roll and he has to present the whole gospel unto you. So if you just listen at some evangelist or somebody on television or whatever, you might not know all that they're preaching or teaching because you didn't cast aside the local assembly, something that you can visit and see and get to know that that pastor know you as he's not your shepherd. You know, you can't be a shepherd of those people that you're watching. He couldn't be a shepherd of yours on television and all these televangelists. Your shepherd has to know you, the problems you're going through. He has to ask the church to pray for you or you have to come to the church. And that's one thing that hinders us if we don't ask the church to pray for us. You know, I, I, it's, it's seldom you hear people that are humble enough to ask the church to pray for a particular problem or whatever because that's been taught away from the church that you are self-sufficient. You don't need nobody to pray for that. You can take care of these things yourself or whatever. Now, I didn't got way astray of what I wanted to do. I don't want to try to inch back to where I am or where I was or whatever. But don't be so bold. He says that's why he led you this way, to learn you to humble yourself. You know, I, I've been in the churches, and there are a lot of churches. That's why it says that the elders, that you should have oil, and we keep oil in there. And I have to keep buying oil or whatever and throw out the other oil because to keep it fresh or whatever, but if you're sick or whatever, the first thing it tells you is to call for the elders of the church to pray you, pray for you, but that, that's seldom done anymore. The church doesn't have time for that. Like I say, we're getting away from the renumerary teachings of the church, what the church really should be teaching and what we should be living. That's why I say we've got far foot of God's word that's why he's going to bring in the true shepherds. He said he's going to feed the flock because these shepherds and the people have scattered the flock and the sheep love being scattered. That's part of their nature. That's why the shepherd has to feed the sheep and the sheep follow the shepherd. It's a voluntary thing because those that don't follow the shepherd are not of his sheep. My wife knows me well or whatever, and she was looking out for me, and this morning she brought me a thing of water, and I sure wish I had that water. And I should say, because you be talking, I know your mouth be getting dry or whatever, and it was extra cold water. Well, the <laughs> shepherd knows what the sheep needs, and the shepherds could provide that for the sheep. So at the providing, that's why Jesus says, if you love me, you feed my sheep. And the concentrate the the emphasis was on feeding his sheep because that's what he said he would feed his sheep. Now he's doing it through others. The lamb represents passive, being passive. A lamb or a sheep is a passive animal, and I told you how docile a sheep was or whatever, and it's not a defensive or offensive animal, and so that's why he protects it. He says, if you touch them, you're touching the apple of my eye. And so people do a lot to Christian people, and I see a lot of husbands, uh, wives, uh, you know, I see different people mistreated. You're married to the wrong person, or you're married to an unbeliever or whatever. We can't get you out of those situations, but we can pray for you in that situation. We could feed you with the Word of God, but the loosening comes from our close you follow the truth of what God has for you. You can break away from that unbelieving spouse or God will remove that unbelieving spouse or sometimes if that's not going to be the case or whatever, God can take you away from life. So it's not always that the believer lives. Sometimes the believer may die or whatever because 
it's the better that we don't understand God. So we can't use one particular situation to define God. He's beyond understanding. We'll understand it better and better by and by. Why did he do what he did do? A sheep is uncomplaining. And that's why we see in the scripture where God prohibits complaining. Complaining is a sin. When the people mumble and grumble against Moses, God punished them for that. We have to learn not to complain. The sheep during this time being the people of Israel, if you would look at that analogy, they were complaining about the food that God was feeding them, though he was feed them the manna from heaven. They say, we're tired of this manna. We remember what we used to have. They were part of the world. And, and as I was saying, and I was thought, Patty says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you have to have a new mind. God has to convert you. He has to change your heart. He has to change your mind, your way of thinking. There's a renewal of mind, and the only thing that can do that is God's Word. That's the only thing with the power to cleanse you or purge you of all of that that you've eaten, all of that that you've been shaping of in this world that you cannot conform. You have to be transformed. That's what I was saying on the way up here, that God has to destroy this world. Now, a lot of people, when he says destroy this world, a lot of people look at it as, as he did the flood, but he says it's not going to be water this time but fire. So now we're looking at the fiery judgment of God. We're looking at God destroying the world in the whole, all of flesh, seeing this destruction but all the flesh not being aware of this destruction. Only the children of God will be aware of this destruction because he had called them out of the world. He says, come out of this world. But if you hadn't come out of this world or you hadn't been birthed again or born again, you will cling unto the world and try to bring the world into the church. That's why I say, you will try. that's where the division comes in the spouses will be fighting, the friction will be, that husband or that wife will always be fighting one another because the other one's not going to conform to that or whatever. That's why sometimes we have to exist with those divisions because it's either you or me. And I can't convince you, and we're not going to argue about that. Either one of us know or one of us don't know. Either both of us don't know. But it couldn't be a division of computing. Com- a confusion if we both knew because we would be in agreement and that's the only way we could walk together. How can two walk together unless they agree? And if I'm I'm joined to God and walking with God, I'm not going to let you pull me out of God. Are you going to let your children or your spouse pull you out of God? It's better them than you. It says save yourself. So if you preaching and teaching and telling somebody the word, if they don't get it or they don't hear it, that's not your responsibility. It's God that gives it life. He quickens, he makes alive, he may not open their understanding. I can't open your understanding. All I can do is feed you the food. That's why a lot of people die because as they get older or as they taste of the world, you get out there and get a taste of the world. Now you're not reading your Bible. All you want to do is play on the computer, uh, watch television, or be with your friends or do anything but the Bible. That's why, you know, you start missing church. You start be, not being around the people of God. You're eating a different food. You're getting used to eating something different. I was studying in this WW class uh, one of the things about taking salt out of your diet, did you know if you gradually wean yourself out of salt, your food, it might not taste the way it was as if it was really heavily salted, but you can get away from those things. And you'll not, after a while, you'll not desire those things. So you may make a statement, and somebody might take that statement the wrong way. We're not saying we're going to stop eating. 
but you should stop eating so much because it's gluttony. It's necessity that you may join WW. Get around some people that's trying to help you to lose weight. And I consistently tell this church, I throw little nuggets out there all, all the time. That it's not good to be overweight. It's not taking care of your body. But that's in the feeding of the sheep. The pastor is just like uh, the dietitian and nutritionist. You must offer up a balanced diet. You must feed the sheep different things. You can't feed the sheep starchy or carbohydrates all of the time. You have to give it the meat of the word. And that meat of the word when Jesus, they was all following Jesus because he was talking about the prosperity within the word of God. But then when he said, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. See, sometimes the the carnal Christians, as Paul would say, uh, you're not, you, you like milk, the milk of the word. If you notice, some of the churches love to hear prosperity and blessings, but when you get in there and say, cursed if you do this, and you have a cursed children in that, this is forbidding. And when you say, well, homosexuality is a sin, when you say that you can't commit fornication, when you tell people of the deeper things within that, you can start losing the audience. When you start preaching on sin, that's why most televangelists don't preach on sin because when you tell, start hitting people right at home and they find out it's them, it's like the Pharisees, he said, you know, he spoke that against us. They was ready to go ahead and kill him. Yeah. That's why they wanted to strain Jesus up. Because now it's hitting home. He's cutting deep now. The scriptures cut deep a lot of times. Submission. A sheep submits to the shepherd. And we have to submit to God. He says, humble ourselves. Submit ourselves unto God. This nation, which is one of the worst nations law-wise. It's a nation of laws, but it's a hypocritical nation because they don't believe in enforcing those laws uh, there, the way it's applied to the people. Scotland had a school shooting, they say, maybe 40-some years ago, but they banned weapons. They hadn't had a school shooting since. Australia had a, a shooting in a, was it a school or shopping center and they banned weapons. They hadn't had a shooting in 30 or 40 years, a mass killing like that 30 or 40 years. This is the only nation in which those mass shootings and things occur and will occur more rapidly as the end of time coming because our politicians and our church leaders are part of that. They're the cause of it. It's feeding improper food. Uh, one of the articles that I'm emailing to y'all and putting in your notes is Can- Canadian National Security Task Force is preparing for the collapse of the United States. Only the secular world can see this coming. As I was telling you, Donald Trump was advocating about the civil war. You know, that has to be a civil war in the nation. The secular world can see this, but it's the religious world that's burying its its head in the sand and not seeing this. They're not even seeing what their own leader, Jesus Christ, has told them, that it's going to be a division in the homes and everywhere, and it's going to be worldwide strife. As his government comes to bear, his government destroys the governments of the world. But as I was telling you, that's why I actually did you say it was a shame. Sometimes the church has to put the battle in array. You have to bring the battle because the words you say, so it's not going to be, it's not an easy battle. Even in suffering of following without reservations. That's why Job was a perfect example through suffering because he says, though he slayed me, I was feeling sorry for some of us and I feel sorry for a lot of people. I was feel sorry. We can feel sorry for people or whatever, but we can, we can empathize with them. But those people in Texas are so far off. 
we know what it is, maybe I understand losing of children or whatever, but what about those right in the midst of you or whatever that's suffering a lot of time? That's why I asked the church, and that's why if we're bringing those petitions before the church, that's the only way that they can get concentration on them because those that's in the church that are not praying and helping others out and praying for those in the church, God needs to t- God will take those out of the church because you're not being obedient to the church. You're not being obedient to God. And obedience is what counts. Obedience to the word of God. So if you're not praying that God would send elders among us, we need elders in the church. We need young people. We need more laborers in the church. If your prayers are not composing of growing the church, if, if passing it on to another generation, if your prayers are not focused on what we say of praying for somebody, you're a hypocrite. You're not doing what Jesus Christ said because now this has been presented to you and you're one of the ones that sit in church and don't do anything. Are we just coming here as another resting place for us? just to sleep? Are we hearing the word and not being a doer of the word? The only way it can be effectual in your life, the only way you can pray effectually and God hear you is that you are doer of God's word and that's why you have what you pray for. Someone was telling me the other day they was praying for God. Now you, how can you pray to God in the midst of contradicting or rebelling or rejecting God? How would you he hear that prayer? That's why he tells you he hear it not the prayer of a sinner. But if you seeking God, but if you living in a known sin, it's different. Isaiah fifty three and seven says of Christ, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. How many of us are not complaining with what God has or the situation God has us in? Are we content? With whatever state we're in, God has us in that state, or He is allowing us to be in that state. If you really believe and trust in God, you've been born again. You know He hadn't forsaken you. You know that He's in that state with you. But it's His Word, and it's it is Him that give it you power to get out of that. If He if you He wants you out of that. He gives you the desires of your of your heart, and if He given you a new heart, He would give you that desire, that prompting, that spirit to rise up above it, because His Word has all power and authority. But if you just there and think that you just could come in God's church and that you can say that you are a member of God's church, and this just will happen, voila that this is some sort of magic, it doesn't work that way. Suffering. Peter learned you have to suffer to an end. Yeah. All of them learns about this suffering as Christ suffered. Like he suffered, we're suffering. He says, we are, we, led, we are led as a lamb to the slaughter. And he says, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He opened not his mouth. They beat him and whipped him. He said, not a mumbling word. Peter learned and Peter repeated itself. When reviled, he reviled that again. See, God has to humble us and get that out of us. Those are things that poison the sheep. Those are characteristics of people, uh, things that are not of God, are image unlike God. And we have to, his word has to, calls us to lay aside every weight and sin that's besetting us from running that race. So how can you have resentment towards your brother or sister or your spouse or anyone? How can resentment and bitterness and anger, anger, hatred, how can those things prosper you in God and you holding on to those, you bringing those along? Those have to be destroyed. The fire burns that up. If you offering yourself as a burnt offering, and Paul says each man's works will be tried, you will be tried. But if you don't grow weary of doing good works and you continue to work hard, if you go through suffering, if you bear up under being mistreated and oppressed, God will reward you in this life 
And if not, he'll reward you in the next life. But his reward is with him. And we will receive according to the deeds done in our body. He says, he, is, he was led to the slaughter as a sheep before his shearer is silent. He opened not his mouth. So the dependency of the sheep, we've seen that in feeding the sheep. If you are sheep of his pastor, he's going to come with that strong arm. But the ones that don't have the ability, the lambs, the one that fall, the ones with infirmities or whatever, he said, he's going to carry them and nurse them in his arm. And he used the word, you lambs. He used the word, you are those with. It says, and shall gently lead those that are with young. You know, pregnant women uh, has to be treated in a different way. They, they may not can do as those that are not pregnant. They can miscarry or lose the one. And then it's different when you're pregnant than when you're not pregnant. So it says, gently lead those that are with lambs. So that's why he destroyed Amalek. And he told Saul that he had to completely destroy Amalek. Because what Amalek did, as the children of Israel was leading Egypt, Amalek attacked those that were behind. Who's normally behind the flock? Those that can't walk as fast. A lot of times I tell people, when you go on ahead of me, I can't keep up with you because I can't walk as fast as I used to. Those that were crippled or the lame or the older people, they were the ones that were behind. And that's the ones Amalek attacked. Don't you think it's a special place for this individual that went into to this schoolhouse, went into this elementary classroom, and shot those children, those helpless little young children, those young lambs. We, we can't issue a punishment that's justified for him doing something like that. That's why God is the judge or whatever. We can only do what God's words say do, and that's what this nation as a nation we've done. We've taken away the death penalty. The death penalty should be in the society. We should institute the death penalty on those because God said, if you kill or destroy a spill man's blood, your blood shall be spilled. You know what the problem with that? If the problem is with man himself, that's why we have to remove man's governments. We looked at the state troopers in our was saying how corrupt the state troopers are of the of the Louisiana state troopers. But we look at the sheriff department, look at the city department, all that's corrupt. We look and see that there were kids dialing and asking for help in this school shooting. And it was some 30 or 40 minutes before they breached and went in there. So it was inadequate leadership. So you see why I say God has to destroy all governments? All government, he can only put his people in, but his people have to be prepared to lead. They have to be the ones that are walking in the way now, not with ones that's daydreaming and saying what they want to do and what they hope to do and think about the by and by. How long are you fighting for that now? Are you one of God's troopers? Are you in the battle? If you're not in the battle, are you not one of God's troopers now? He says, you're either for me or you're against me. Jeremiah makes a similar statement about an episode in his life. Uh, Jeremiah the 11th chapter in the 19th verse, he says, But I was like a docile lamb brought to the slaughter, and I did not know that they had devised schemes against me, saying, Let us destroy the tree with its fruit, and let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name may be remembered no more. Jeremiah was preaching to his kindred, his own people or whatever. He didn't know what was going about. That's the one he taught. They tossed him down in a cistern. But he was like a lamb. He didn't fight against them. And that's why he was said he was going to continue to pray for them. He couldn't stop what God had made him. He was going to continue to pray. At one time it had gotten so bad, he's the prophet that says, he wasn't going to speak for God no more because the word of God was getting him in so much trouble. 
Well, every time he's speaking everything, the people misunderstood him. He says, I'm not going to say anymore. But what happened was he continued to preach the word of God because he had been birthed by the Spirit. If you read Jeremiah, God says, I'm the one who formed you in the womb. I shape in you. You're going to go where I tell you to go. You're going to be like refined brass refined in the fire. You're going to say what I told you to say, and you're going to do what I tell you to do. That's what the fire does to you. Jeremiah spoke to the people, and he says, it's like fire shut up in my bones. He couldn't sit still. The Spirit's not going to lie. So if you're a child of God, you can't just sit around here dead. He says, if you're dead, let the dead bury the dead. We need to start taking up our cross and follow after him. We need to fight this war as long as he give us strength and energy to fight this war. That's why he's feeding of his word to strengthen us for the battle ahead. Elijah got so far and so down in the spirit. But did you notice that it was God that prepared a meal for him? He prepared a meal and said the journey is going to be hard. It was the disciples that had left way and had gave up and gone back into the world. They were fishing, but they couldn't catch anything. And it was Jesus on the shore. And he says, come. And he had prepared a meal for them. He prepared fish and something for them to refresh themselves and strengthen themselves. That was at the time when he was sitting down and he told Peter, if you love me, you'll feed my sheep. So just as he was feeding them and they were doing the wrong thing, he called them unto him. He had the food prepared. This does not mean that he did not do nothing, but he was innocent of being the cause of the persecution inflicted up on him and that he accepted it without griping and complaining about his light as God's servant. He learned, Jeremiah learned not to complain not that he was completely innocent because I pray to God because sometimes I may say things and may not get it right. I may be saying the wrong thing. That's why it says don't make a novice as your leader or your pastor or whatever. But we have to learn to speak with salt. Our, our speech has to be seasoned with salt. We have to learn. I was talking to one of my nephews yesterday and I was trying to parse the words to find the way of saying things and the, the, the way to present things but then sometime when per, pers, a person asks you a direct answer I mean question you have to give them a direct answer on it that's why I say be careful what you ask for now if you ask me to tell you something I'll tell you I'm going to try to give it to you or feed it to you so you won't choke on it but sometimes you have to use the word of God. That word, you have to be exercising skill in the use of God's word. Because it's like a sharp knife. That thing could cut you both ways. It could cut deep. So, in Romans 8.36, this symbolism of the lamb applies to us. It says, for God's sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. That's what he was talking of us as lambs, as sheep. That's the way it looks at. He's talking about us. That's Romans 8.36. God expects us to follow the example of our leader and, and others who have gone before us. So he told Peter to lay down your sword or your weapon. You don't fight fire with fire now. That's not the way to get this accomplished. You have to be obedient to the word. I'm tired of it. I'm going to show him. He don't do me this. I'm going to put them in a bind. Oh, hold on now. That's not the thinking of God. You like Peter, you don't realize Satan had gotten hold of you. With those very lips, you have said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the very living God. And, and Jesus said, Flesh and blood hadn't revealed that to you. My Father which is in heaven had revealed that to you, that, that, that I'm Christ. But in that same conversation, it was Peter that says, this shall not happen to you. This shall not be so. That he was going to fight for me. He says, now, get behind me, Satan. So you see how we have to watch ourselves because that old nature is waiting to be woke up. 
Sometimes when you get tired of something and you really get tired of it, no, don't give them a piece of your mind. Don't be angry, but don't sin. Ask God to help you to do the right thing in those situations. Having this submissive attitude is not for destruction, even though on the surface it may seem that way, but following is a necessary for preparations. We have to have that nature of the lamb that this is a necessary thing. It's the attitude, the disposition that we have. Hebrews 5, 5th chapter 7 through the 10th verse reminds us that Christ also had to submit to be prepared for his responsibilities as high priest. He had to submit himself to God. And that's why I focused on it Wednesday night. I don't know how many that wasn't here heard the broadcast from Wednesday night that Christ submitted himself. And we have to learn this submission. Uh, Hebrews, the fifth chapter, the seventh through the tenth verse says, For who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet he learned he, yet he learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. How did he learn obedience? By the things in which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So if we do like, unlike the first Adam, if we obey him unto death, until death, in other words, through even if it means our death, if it, if it means being cast in the fire, knowing that he's in the fire with us, that's what makes us perfect. So that's why he instructing and teaching. And sometimes when you're hammering and hammering, sometimes when preaching is not getting it, sitting down and talking or trying to teach. As I use the illustration of one of my sons says, no, 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 Dad, you, you're not going to beat Sherman. You're not going to whip him. I'm going to teach him. I'm going to show him. Okay, well, Sherman is size and age. He's bigger than him. Let me see him teach him and show him or whatever. He says, all you could do is talk to him. See, that, that's, that's worth millions, a little talk. Talking and teaching, and that's what Jesus Christ, God had told Adam these things. He didn't come and bounce this into Adam and say, oh, he says, don't eat of that tree. He expected obedience. The old people used to tell you something, and if they look at you or something and they say, I'm not going to tell you again. And in other words, they don't even go back over what they had told you the first time. They look at you and say, I'm not going to tell you again. We've gotten away from the old ways. And you know, the, the grandparents and things of, of the women or whatever, sometimes they don't want you, but sometimes you might need to get him and tear him in half if his parents not tearing him up or whatever because he'll run you stone crazy. <laughs> You know, the grandmothers may be a little bit more gentle with the kids or whatever, but the grandfather, instead of allowing him to run crazy, he sees that his children are not doing the right thing, and he hates to whip his grandchildren or beat his grandchildren, but as long as they're with you, you have to do that ring then. You don't want to do it, but you have to take that power. You have to beat him with the strap. But he says... And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all of them. Call of God and a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So we must consider, consider following uncomplainingly as a necessity, uh, as necessary part of being a whole burnt offering that we don't complain. That this is a necessity that we do it this way if we will be that burnt offering here. We're offering up ourselves unto God. It's going to be without murmuring and complaining. Whatever the Lord lay on me. That, that's what Hezekiah learned. He says, whatever the Lord does, his word is true. We have to learn that. It has to be taught in us. Uh, uh, we'll suffer. And like I say, some of, some of us has to be taken out of life. And you always have those sheep that think they're smarter than other sheep. 
you always have those smart ones. So when the hammer falls or whatever, you know why they they skin in old George or whatever. He was a sheep that had to be slaughtered. See, because what happened, the other sheep would begin to follow him. He'll start seeing that rebellion and seeing that sheep getting out. And seeing that sheep doing that, and you keep punishing that sheep or things happening to that sheep to solve the problem, it may be time for lamb chops. It may be time to because if not, he's going to run the whole thing. And that's what this nation, as I was saying, with that insurrection on January the 6th, that really destroyed the nation. As a nation like Canada and everybody else, see, that's when the United States failed. What happens when someone comes along that's smarter than this guy was? This guy's not very smart or subtle, but we see that a half of the nation follows after that line of thinking. So we have a nation that's not a true nation, and the, and, and the thing about it is that portion is masquerading under religion. That's supposedly the ones that think that they're the religious portion of the nation. So we see why Christ said he has to fight against the church is because the wolves have taken over the church. You have the Satan's ministers have been transformed into angels of light. Now the devil's leading those in some churches. You see, I know where Satan's seat is. You know, that's one of the problems with the church. We have in this nation have given it a black eye is that people don't trust church people a lot of times. It is not my will, but yours be done in practical application. We love to say that, but when it comes to practical application, when those chickens come home the roost, when it's at our door, do we say that? The spiritual mark of the beast, and then I'll have to stop. I didn't get no further than I wanted had this morning. Give me I'm gonna have to get a few extra minutes in this morning. The spiritual mark of the beast. Revelations thirteen and four. He says, and they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him? So this is a system that puts people in fear. This beast puts people in fear. It's like, remember a few years ago when our last president was in office and he wanted to have a parade and a military parade the way the Russian president Putin had this parade and Russia had, had trounced out all of their military hardware and they had this parade or whatever. You know, but if God's not in the battle, you can have all the material hardware and try to strike fear in the people's heart all you want to. Those Ukrainians was tough. Those Ukrainians bleathed in their homeland. So it wasn't no picnic. Where are all those weapons that you were parading around? You didn't got bogged down in a little country like Ukraine. You hadn't defeated Ukraine. It's about all that stuff that you were showing the people. Now you're losing and you're not doing exactly what you thought you were going to do. And you caused Finland and Sweden to join NATO. It, that's the opposite of what you were trying to do. You know, man's thinking and man's power, not looking at it, it says, not by power, not by might, it's by my spirit. You see, we think the world is this and that, that, but we looking in the United States with all this might, military power, with those that are us, that are within the nation, to see, you know, this ain't right. These people aren't right. United States of America, but we see that a lot of people say, man, it's racial injustice here. These people are prejudiced. We see in this nation, people are saying, we're talking about the wealthiest nation in the world, but how many homeless people you see, and we see the oppressed, and we see the oppression that's going on, and the unfairness in this world, in this nation, and we're trouncing who we are, the most Christian nation it ever was. But those of us that are in the church that are the true shepherds of God and the true lambs of God and the true sheep of God, we're praying, Lord God, please come because the wolves are beating down the doors. 
It manipulates and controls to its own advantages, not to the good of the governed, but its own. Do you think that's what's going on in the nation? They're looking out for themselves, that the politicians and preachers, you got preachers that's buying jets and Rolls Royces and all of these and the dumb sheep providing this for the football players and the sports heroes and all this. The rich keep getting richer and the sheep don't have no better sense, but doing this following the motto of 50 cents, get rich or die trying. All of the gambling and the lotteries and things you taking up there, average it out. If you just put putting ten dollars a month or fifteen dollars a month on lottery tickets and gambling, because they got it to where you could just gamble on your phone now. You don't have to go anywhere in the privacy of your own phone place a bet. But if that's fifteen or twenty dollars a month, that's one hundred and twenty dollars a year. $200 a year according to how much or what are you doing and to those that's doing more than $10 or $12 a month $12 a month would be $144 a year but just think how much more especially if you win because if you win that gives you a hunger to try to win more you engage more you get more addicted to it it's a manipulative situation and that's why it's going to come up on the people Suddenly, because you're not going to see it coming. You're so wrapped up in it, you don't see it coming. It has an attitude that hates people, and it likes destruction. I don't understand how we have the social media platforms that can allow people to live stream you killing people and all of the destruction and evil that's going on. It's on social media. You can see it live, and it's broadcast. It is adversarial. You know, it's competitive. It used to be you can pull for this football team. I remember I had a friend, Tyrone Hamilton. He was Los Angeles Lakers. He was a Los Angeles Ram. He was a Los Angeles Dodge. He was Los Angeles, Los Angeles. But we would go about in sports or whatever. But you can be fans of a different team and live in the same place or be friends and everything. And it's sports. That's where the things like sportsmanlike conduct come from. But now it's like wild animals. I don't even watch sports anymore. It's competitive. It's when they announce a player it's how much is he making and it's superstars. It's no longer a team sport. I used to like football because you know most of the action is right there on the line with the guards and the tackles and the linebackers and the defensive end. If those fellas don't do, don't do their job, that running back don't get that 100 yards. He don't get that. That's why I say the most one of the most spectacular running backs that ever was never went to a playoff or whatever. I think Barry Sanders was one of the most exciting, one of the most spectacular running backs it was, but he had a humble spirit. He never had a, a real good line or whatever. It was on his tenacity, his God-given talent that caused him to run the way he did. Those are players that accept the team that drafts them or go to. They play with that lot. And that's what they looked at Jesus. He had fishermen in a miserable lot. The sheep that he has, it, it came from all kinds of backgrounds and everything. It was kind of a ragtag mob to the people. And that's why the Pharisees looked down on them because they was the doctors and the lawyers and the highfalutin society, just like today. If, you, if you're not in a church with prosperity and your pastors can't afford to wear tailor-made suits and are riding in Rolls Royces and limousines and things and your members and everything are not having prosperity or whatever, you tell them to park at the back or you sit way off here, you're not important over here. And that's what James says, you show, him, you show partiality. You have that adversarial thing going on in the church. That's what it is. It's competitive. That's a spirit that's not of God. Now contrast that with sheep, and especially with a lamb. They must be docile, the most docile of all animals. In other words, following peace with all men. And that's what the Bible tells us. As much as lie within you, follow peace with all men. Peace builds the house of God. It's peace. Biblically, a lamb symbolizes gentleness, innocence, sometimes a childlike vulnerability. 
That's why Christ says, unless you become as a little child, you shall no ways enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, children are forgiving and they don't hold grudges or whatever. Sometime I whip my little grandchildren or whatever, but the next minute they're climbing up on me, pop Paul, pop Paul, and they're pulling and doing this and doing that. They didn't forget those things. Are we forgiving and forgetful, or are we resentful and bitter and hateful and all those things have been us? A lamb is not aggressive. I told you a lamb can't do anything for itself. The shepherd has to do everything for the lamb. There's no aggression in a lamb. And that's why, you know, a lot of people, they have terminology for controlling women or too aggressive women. They look at men with that ego or that alpha personality or whatever. Ambitions sometimes is the downfall there. That dictator mentality or whatever. It is easily led and controlled by the shepherd. And that's what happened to people they're tossed and turned about by every form of doctrine. Now, like I said, I really wanted to go over on this telling you about the Lamb because Christ symbolically is the Lamb of God, 1 John 1, and 36. Lamb is used in reference to Jesus Christ 27 times in the book of Revelations. The beast is an adversary of Christ and exudes not gentleness, not goodness, not kindness, not innocence, but all of those opposite traits. And that's what we have in our churches. That's what we have in our leaders and things. Now, if a woman can shoot uh, these assault rifles and things, that's how they get elected to the House of Representatives or or Senators or something. If you advocate violence and oppression in the hard way and taking that stiff hand in annihilating certain classes of people, you may get elected to a high office in this land. That's how twisted we are. Uh, and I wanted to go from Isaiah from there, but I'll talk about that tomorrow. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you.